Welcome to the Ready For podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to equipping parents to having meaningful conversations with their students. Today we are talking with Debbie Spring, who is the Senior Director of Development and Alumni Relations here at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. She has previously served as a Director of Parent Engagement and is a Belmont parent herself. So today we're gonna to talk about what it is like for parents to leave their student at university. So my name is Darian Hamblin. I work in residence life. I'm also at Belmont as a residence director. And yes, my name is Antonio Arnett. I'm one of the residence auditors here in Belmont. And I'm Debbie Sprang and glad to be with you here today. So Debbie, could you go into a little bit of your background um, and your family as well? Absolutely. So I am, um, as Darian mentioned, I am currently a, a Belmont parent. My husband and I have three um, adult children. They all went through college and um, we, we went through that transition three times and it's different each time. So um, that's something I think to expect. But I worked in the higher ed space for more than 15 years and um, got into higher ed because I, I was interested and care about student development. And so I started out on the student affairs side. I worked in career services and academic advising for a number of years. And then I got into the development and alumni relations space um, a number of years ago, which I love. So I've worked with incoming students, students who are currently enrolled, and I've also worked with students after they've transitioned to alumni. It is a pleasure to meet you on today and to discuss this topic with you on today. And I would just like to go ahead and start spark the conversation with the first uh, question. Just in general, what can parents actually expect when they leave their students here for their first year of college? That's a great question. And um, actually, it's a little bit different for each family and it's a little bit different for each student. Um, what I would what I would encourage um, parents to understand is that um, to keep in mind that parents are people too, and while our kids are going through an emotional response to their own transition, leaving high school, heading into an environment that's brand new to them, we too as parents um, are experiencing emotions um, related to that, and sometimes there's a wide range of emotions. It can range from excitement to sadness to deep curiosity and wondering. Um, oftentimes parents will experience a, a level of grief because we are, you know, we, 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 have, been, um, we have been blessed and um, called to raise these children in our homes. And, um, and then it's time to help them move to the next phase of their life. And so for some, for some parents, um, it, that's a, it's a hard transition. But I will say that um, this, this time of transition also requires a sense of trust, um, trusting in yourself that you brought your son or daughter this far and you did good, you did really good. Um, trusting that you provided a strong foundation for them so that they can live with integrity and carry the values that you instilled in them. Um, and, and as they as they grow and learn in, in a university setting, they're going to learn more about themselves and also how they've been gifted to go out and make a difference in the world. And also trust, um, trust that you're emerging adult, that your son or daughter will make good decisions and that you'll, you'll walk with them and you'll, you'll advise them as they um, move further into this, uh, this new stage. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, 
how do you think parents can prepare for this transition kind of before it happens? What can you do to be proactive in preparing for this? That is a great question. And I think that is really important because we can get caught off guard when we're focused on maybe the, the, the details in um, buying all the stuff and packing the car or the suitcases or getting on the plane. Um, and all of that is really important. Um, but I also think it's important to take a step back and think about, you know, what, what are some important um, steps in my relationship with my son or daughter so that I can support them and that together we can move through this, through this time. I would also recommend that you, um, that you negotiate with your son, and, son or daughter um, kind of some important factors, particularly around communication. Um, I've had many parents uh, kind of inform me that they expect that their son or daughter will call every night before they go to bed. And that's just not realistic. Um, but it is important that you have a conversation and you have an agreement with your son or daughter. So is it a, is it a Sunday afternoon FaceTime call? Is it texting every other day to make sure that, you know, both folks at home and, and your son or daughter are well and healthy, especially in this climate? Um, is, it, um, is it something more regular? But I think agreeing to that upfront is really important. And that may change and the timing of the call or the FaceTime or the text may change, um, but, but having an agreement about what that looks like, I think is really important. Also important to recognize that our role as parents um, shifts during this stage, this late adolescent, early adult stage, and that we are, we are no longer really needed to be authoritarians, to set the rules and hold our kids accountable to the rules. But, but to be the great empowerers, right? It's, it's our opportunity to equip them so that they can go forth and, um, and make good decisions. They can understand who can help them uh, solve problems. Um, maybe there's a roommate conflict or they're having a hard time in a, in a course and they're not sure where to get assistance. Um, so our job is to advise them and coach them and help them answer those questions for themselves. You know, we all love to give advice and parents especially. And I, that's something I have to remind myself of even with my three adult children. Um, so I've tried to get comfortable with asking good and intentional questions to help them learn the questions they can ask themselves so that they can get better at um, solving problems and, um, and understanding how to speak up for themselves. Another piece of advice that I would suggest is that, you know, I mentioned earlier that parents are people too, and we have feelings. Um, and it's important that we have a support network, another trusted adult that we can share our feelings, whether it's, you know, where it is on the spectrum from excitement to sadness to, um, to concern, um, that we don't place our feelings on our son or daughter because they've got a lot going on in their world during this transition. So turn to, to maybe your spouse, a close friend or a pastor, somebody who you can have some real conversation and um, process your feelings as a parent. And you really kind of uh, hinted on a question that I was wondering myself. Um, what advice would you give to parents on how to support their students while enabling them to become more independent? That is a great question and a really important question. So um, 
What I would encourage um, parents uh, to consider is to um, remain positive. Your son and uh, your sons and daughters will will call or text or email with um, with whatever they're feeling in the moment, and it it might feel really strong in that moment, um, but with maybe some conversation, you can help them think through what's going on. Again, back to being an advisor or coach. What questions can I ask my son or daughter to help help myself and help them understand what's really going on? And then what's the core issue or problem that needs to be addressed? Um, I would also encourage you to um, listen intently and, um, and be empathic, um, but don't rescue them. It's, I think it's, that's, it's my tendency is to rescue my kids and I have to stop and um, ask myself, what's the best next step for them to grow as a young adult? Um, be encouraging, send a care package or a note out of the blue, just to surprise them. Let them know that you're thinking about them and that you're, they're on your mind. Um, something that I think is important to note is that homesickness is real and that I would venture to say that almost every college student feels homesickness sometime probably between two and six weeks of their first semester. And, um, and I think students don't recognize that other students are feeling that same way. And so normalize that. Um, encourage them to um, make a new friend once a week. Find somebody that you can um, connect with. And it may not be a deep connection, um, just say hi or smile to everybody, everybody that you pass. That can help your son or daughter feel in control of that moment and also be perceived as, um, as a friendly face and a welcoming, welcoming person. Encourage them to get involved in at least one club or organization um, in addition to attending classes. Um, you know, this year will be a little bit different, but there'll be lots of opportunities at Belmont for students to connect. And so encourage them to do that. It's really important that, um, that during this young adult stage, they're, they're exploring uh, friendships and relationships with a, with a diverse group of, uh, of strangers who will become friends. Um, and that's the, part of the exciting journey at college. Um, Belmont's a particularly supportive environment. And so encourage them to seek guidance and assistance from the people who are already in place, the residence life staff in particular, um, the resident assistant, the RA and the RD, the resident director are there for students. Um, the Office of Student Life I mentioned offers many ways to, to gather and to find other, um, other students who are interested in the same kinds of activities, sports, that sort of thing. We've got an amazing leadership program. Get involved in the Bold Leadership Program. Our university ministries office um, offers um, a chapel series, but also embedded in, the, in each residence hall is a student, a spiritual life advisor. The SLAs are also a great resource for students. There's also a number of Bible studies and small groups that students can get involved with to, um, to connect on a deeper level with other students. When my, when my daughter um, was, was an undergrad at Belmont, she studied music and she, uh, she was struggling with music theory, like a lot of students struggle with music theory. And so I encouraged her to reach out to her faculty member 
and ask for help. Maybe he could provide a, a recommendation for a tutor or he himself could help her um, kind of get through the content. And she called me a couple of weeks after she, she uh, mustered up the courage to ask her professor for some help. And um, after about two or three um, coffee visits and tutoring sessions, she felt like she had a handle on the material. And she, she said as a sophomore, you know, Mom, I really think that our professors want us to be successful here. And I said, yes, that's exactly what they want. They want, they want our students to be successful and to thrive. That was a kind of an aha moment for her. And that's when she started to understand that the relationship between student and faculty or student and staff um, is more than a, a teacher-student relationship. It's a mentoring uh, and a guide relationship, which was really powerful for her. And so I would encourage you to encourage your students to, um, to connect with resources here in Nashville. I, I know it can be challenging sometimes when, when we live eight or 10 or 14 or a, a plane ride away um, from, our, from our students, um, but we've got a support network built in here at Belmont, and I would encourage you to encourage them to tap into that. I just want to say that I completely, I was over here like almost doing praise hands um, when you said about like normalizing the conversation about like homesickness, because in working with first year students for the past two and a half years as a residence director, I knew, and as my own experience as a college student, just, I knew that other people had to be feeling the same way I was feeling when I was feeling homesick, but no one was talking about it. And so that is just something that all, I think first year students are struggling with and they just don't know who to talk to because they just don't have deep relationships with people yet. So they're struggling to find that. And yeah, so if parents can begin to have those conversations and normalize that, I think that will go a really long way. So that was great. Thank you for saying that. Um, and then the next uh, question we have is just, what are some of the best practices you developed yourself or learned, heard about from others on setting boundaries with your students? That's a great question. Um, I, think, I think in terms of boundaries, um, I would go back to the conversation about having some preliminary discussions around expectations um, for communication. I think that sets the tone for a lot. I know some parents are, um, are uh, deeply interested in all of the details of their students' lives from morning until night. Um, and, and we have to let go a little bit to give our, our, our kids space to grow and give them space to make some mistakes. That's where the real learning is gonna happen. And, um, and so we, we can't be there to, we're not physically present to rescue them anymore. Um, and so we need to also let go of that emotional um, attachment to the rescuing of, for our kids. Um, the other thing, you know, it's interesting because uh, when, when my oldest two were in college, there was a, a lot of talk about the helicopter parents. And, um, and then there was the lawnmower parents, you know, like, like mowing down the weeds and mowing the grass so that it's a clear path for our kids to have success. I'm not sure what we're referring to now, but, um, but parents have a way of wanting to, to clear the path for an easy um, experience. And while that's tempting, it's really important to set the boundaries for your student and maybe even let them know it's gonna be different. I'm not gonna be there to have the conversation, the tough conversations. So um, 
back to the, the guide or coaching mentality, how do we teach our kids to speak up for themselves? Um, how do we encourage them to take small steps? Um, it might be really scary to have that conversation with your professor to say, I'm not, I'm not getting this and I need help. Um, but I can assure you that when they take a small step forward, they're gonna get some positive response that will give them courage to continue down that path. Um, help them write, write scripts if they're scared to talk to a professor. So rather than you know, as a parent saying, oh, let me give your professor a call or let me call your RD and I'll explain what's happening in, you know, with the roommate conflict. Um, that boundary is really important. And you may have to set that as parents to say, it's, this is your job now to, to speak up for yourself, but let's, let's talk through that. What might a conversation like that look like? Let's write it out, let's practice it. And so you're giving them the guidance and the support to be successful. And that's our role at this stage of life. Um, the other thing that I think is important in terms of boundaries has to do with when, when can they come home for the first visit? And I think it's really important to create some kind of shared expectations up front. Your son or daughter, so my oldest daughter who, who went to school 20 minutes from home, she would love to have come home probably two weeks after she started school. And we, we set a very clear boundary. You need to stay on campus until Halloween. And then you can come home. Of course, if she got sick or if there was something traumatic, we, we would have conversation. But um, we needed to set that pretty clearly so she knew it was her responsibility to get comfortable on campus. Um, with our younger daughter at Belmont, um, we were living in Cleveland, Ohio. She was here in Nashville. And uh, we didn't see her until Thanksgiving. Um, and actually, I think she stayed here for Thanksgiving. I think we didn't see her until Christmas break. And so she was in a different, a different place. Um, but we had all agreed at the front of the semester that we may not see her until, you know, a substantial break. So we were all clear on that. But I think having some conversation around when they can come home. Uh, I also think conversations around money is really important. Um, that can be a, um, that can be a, a tension point for some families. And so again, having clear conversation up front, what is it? What does that look like? What, what will mom and dad pay for? Um, and what, what's the student's responsibility? No, I think that's great. I also really appreciate um, encouraging parents to not call their residence director for their student. Um, Cause that is just, it's a, it's a hard conversation to say like, hey, I'm talking to your student, I'm talking to this student, but now I'm talking to you. And so that is hard. So that is great from the residence director point of view also. Excellent. Antonio, you wanna go? Sure. Um, but I must just say that I'm really enjoying this conversation. I really am. Really, I'm just getting a lot of insight both sides of the field now. And I'm just enjoying. And I guess I can start this question off as, as a parent yourself. What were some of your concerns or reservations that you had while in this transition, and how did you overcome them or cope with them? That's a great question. Um, so. So all three of our kids had interesting and unique roommate situations. Um, and as a parent, we want, you know, we want our son or daughter to go to college, find a roommate that um, not only they connect with, but their, um, their, the way they manage life is, is compatible and the circle of friends that they um, spend time with, uh, is compatible with your son or daughter. 
Um, and the reality is sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And again, that's an important, that's an important opportunity for them to grow. And so each of them had uh, interesting uh, conflicts with their first year roommates and it wasn't bad. It just was real. And, um, you know, there were points where we were concerned about, about things because we were hearing from our, our son or daughter's perspective. And what I had to keep reminding myself, you know, it, it's more complex than your perspective. Um, and that's hard to understand as an 18 year old, because right, we're, we're pretty egocentric, especially as a new college freshman, um, because we're dealing with the weight of the emotion of the transition. And so everything feels bigger and harder um, until they start to have real communication with your, the roommates. So we, we encourage them. Again, we did some of that scripting. All right, so let's, what kind of conversation do you want to have with your roommate? What, what, you know, what issues or concerns do you need to talk about? Um, do you need to bring the RA into the conversation? Would that help? Uh, our residence life staff is trained and ready to be of assistance um, to help manage roommate conflicts early in the process um, because most students will find um, a pattern of living together that works and it requires communication. Um, other concerns, you know, each of our kids had a different personality. And so we, um, you know, we, we were aware of the really positive, beautiful things about each of our kids, but also their blind spots. And so we had to have some gentle conversations with them when they were maybe hitting the wall um, regarding something related to class or peer relationships. Um, and it's, it's hard, it's painful. When our kids are hurting, we hurt as parents and we want them to have um, a really positive experience. And most days are, but some days are tough. And again, that's normal. None of us um, lives each and every day in a, in a place where we feel completely comfortable. And if we do, then we're not growing. And so um, recognizing that is important as well. This is our last question. So um, I will just kind of give a little disclaimer that this could be different um, at every university. So if we're speaking specifically from a Belmont um, point of view and maybe a little bit broader, um, but how should parents stay engaged with the university from wherever they are, um, like across the country and like at most schools or at Belmont specifically, is there like one place that they should be contacting specifically? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, um, I would, I would say that probably the most important thing is stay informed. And our, um, our Office of Communications and um, Office of Parent Engagement will send quarterly email updates and probably more regular email um, updates this year because of um, you know, the, the interesting time that we're in. Uh, so, so do read the information that you receive from the university, stay informed. Um, there are websites that are also created to um, provide uh, layers of information and answer a lot of specific questions that parents um, and students have asked. So we've got some resources online and you'll receive some emails with information. In terms of getting engaged and staying connected with Belmont, we encourage you to create your own Belmont experience. And we encourage that to be separate from your students. 
And so give your students some space, um, but create an experience that is meaningful for you. And here's what that can look like. Cheer on our Bruins. So whether it's um, in, in a, an athletics venue or on a stage, we're going to be live streaming more performances this year than ever before um, to make sure that um, families and friends can watch their students perform. So stay tuned for that. Um, and if, if you come to campus to visit campus, find a way to cheer on Belmont students. If there's a, a research symposium on campus or again, athletic events, um, you can get involved that way. We also encourage and invite parents to be career connectors. So if you can influence um, hiring decisions at an organization or company that you're involved with, um, consider posting an internship or a job for our students or for alumni, and that can be anywhere across the country. We've got a phenomenal database that um, provides yeah, information for our students about internship and job opportunities, and that's a great way to post your positions, but also encourage your student to get registered in that system very early. That will help them begin to network and understand what kinds of opportunities are out there. All right, that was our last official question, but I will go a little off script. Um, is there like advice or something that you wish you would have known now that you, like something you know now that you wish you would have known like before you sent your children off to college? That's another great question. I think as I have watched our kids grow um, from, you know, high school transitioning to college and then into graduate programs and trying to figure out what, you know, who am I in this world and who am I called to be? Um, I wish somebody could have told me to, to trust myself and to trust my kids um, and believe that, that, you know, as parents, my husband and I um, provided the best foundation we could, not perfect for sure, but it was the, the best that we could do. And we, you know, we were pretty intentional about um, living our values in ways that, um, that we could pass them along to our kids. And so as I, as I watch our kids grow and I see them look for ways to be of service and, and make a difference in the world, I can look back on some of, of um, the, the activities, the service events that our family was involved in and that laid a really good foundation. The other thing that, that I, I wish I had known is the importance of building a network um, as a young professional. And so Belmont is uniquely positioned to help students connect with industry professionals and, um, and others who are in any number of career areas that your son or daughter may be interested in pursuing. And I would, you know, I, I wish somebody had told me early on, encourage your kids to start having coffee meetings their freshman year or to start connecting with alumni and others so that they can gain a sense of what, you know, what does it mean to be a music producer? Or I want to be an audio engineer, but I'm not sure what that looks like. Or I think I want to be a fashion designer. How do I even know if I'm going to like that? And so encourage them to, to build a network, to shadow professionals, and to, um, to ask really good questions. All right. Well, that's all we have. Um, unless you have any other closing. Can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. Your son or daughter is about to experience one of the greatest 
um, and most transformative times in their life. And, um, and it will be exciting and it will be special um, for you also. Encourage them to, to try new things, to explore options. And um, if, they're, if they're looking into maybe a career field or getting involved in a club or organization that you don't know about or don't understand, do a little bit of research. Try and understand more about their passion. It will help you have really great conversations and ask really important questions that will help them clarify for themselves um, that they're moving in the right direction. It's, it's exciting to watch our kids grow and, and figure out what it means to be an adult um, and, and how they can make a difference in their local community, but also in the world. I would just like to thank Miss Debbie Springs for that wonderful conversation that we had. I really enjoyed every each and every part of the conversation and I really got a lot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much to Debbie. I would just like to remind everyone to check out the other episodes of the Ready For podcast. We have several that are already published and we think they'll be a great resource to you. So thanks for joining us for this episode.